Welcome to Finding Hope, The End to Suffering. Hosted by psychologist, author, and co-founder of the Colorado Institute for Conflict Resolution and Creative Leadership, Dr. Barry Weinhold, with national radio host, award-winning producer, and inspirational speaker, Patricia Raskin. Hi, everyone. I'm Patricia Raskin, and hello to Barry Weinhold. Oh, Patricia. How are you? Good. Welcome to this edition of Finding Hope, The End to Suffering. Yeah. which I will say is Barry, Dr. Barry Weinhold's brainchild. So Barry, thanks for bringing this concept to light and to our viewers and listeners. And today we're really talking about beliefs. And for the next four weeks, we'll be talking about how you can actually change your basic beliefs to make your life work the way you want it to. Right. right? And I know you've done a lot of study around this. I have, and I've written some books about that. So we'll, I'll be talking about them in a minute. Before I do that, though, I want to just uh, remind our audience that uh, this uh, podcast costs us money to produce, and we would greatly appreciate uh, donations that help us produce it. Actually, it's sponsored by the Colorado Institute for Conflict Resolution and Creative Leadership, which is a 501c3 tax-exempt Nonprofit. So any donations that you make to support the podcast will be tax deductible and you will get a receipt that you can use with your taxes to show that you've made a tax deductible donation. So if you go to the uh, URL that's on the screen right now uh, and, uh, and uh, um, it will show you, give you all the instructions of what you need to do to donate to the podcast. So, and we have gotten some already. We've, we've, uh, uh, but we need some more to keep uh, sustaining the uh, the show. So uh, let me just talk about uh, how people form beliefs and what gets them in trouble. <laughs> Is that uh, most beliefs that people have are formed by about age ten, believe it or not. And and so early on, it depends on what. We heard other people say, often we adopt the beliefs of our parents or other adults in our life. And if we don't question those or, or even even become aware that we have those beliefs, we just keep repeating them over and over in our life. And uh, and sometimes some of the beliefs that we have are, are, they have misinformation in it. I call them twisted beliefs, that people, that people if they use these twisted beliefs, it gets them in trouble. And so, and actually, the research shows that about only about 5% of what we think is conscious. About 95% of our, our brain and our consciousness is in the unconscious. And so we're not even aware we're thinking or operating on, on our beliefs. And our beliefs run our behavior. Everything we do and say comes out of some belief somewhere that we, that we adopted. And if we don't know why we adopted, how we adopted, and whether it's still functional, it just runs our, our program for us unconsciously. So a lot of people, un, unfortunately, and that's why people get in trouble, because they have twisted beliefs that they're not even aware of. And I'm going to talk about the ten, the top 10 twisted beliefs that get people in trouble today. And actually, I won't finish it today. I'll, I'll go so on. Mary, let me ask you a question. So sure. you really can't change your behavior uh, what in what you're saying unless you change your belief is that right that's right it's like a computer if you don't change the programming 
you're just going to get the same old, same old. And so anyway, the, and we are like a biocomputer. Right? We operate almost the same as a computer in our thinking and our whole nervous system. So basically uh, these beliefs if can, can either get us what we really want and help us end suffering in our lives, or they can cause us to suffer even more. And, and it can cause long-term suffering. If we have some, twisted or mistaken belief that we learned when we were like a teenager and and we continue to believe that we will continue to suffer as a result of it. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important that people understand that these beliefs can be changed. But you have to first Isn't of all it very difficult though, Barry, if you've had it since childhood. Not not really. I've found that that once you understand the belief and where it came from and how it was developed in the first place then the changing of it becomes much easier. And I, I will, uh, what I'm doing too is uh, with each of the episodes of this month's podcast, I'm doing a blog that I'm posting up on our Facebook page. And, on, uh, and you can come to that Facebook page and see the blog. And I will be taking people through the whole process of how we form beliefs and then how to change them. By the end of this month, you will have a formula about how to first of all identify the beliefs and then how to change them. So now, Barry, you wrote a book about this. I, I wrote a number of books about it. Yes. So uh, yeah, uh, one of them is right here, and I came up with a clever title for that one called "Premature Hardening of the Categories." <laughs> mm -hmm. That's what happens when people get rigid beliefs is that they wow. they become uh, they suffer from that uh, syndrome. And so uh, I'd like to just start with a few of them today, and then I'll intersperse the the 10 uh, twisted beliefs that get people in trouble. And uh, I'll start with number one, which I think is the number one uh, belief that gets a lot of people in trouble. I know this one from a personal experience. Uh, it's the people that deep down, they don't believe that they're lovable, that have a belief that they're unlovable. Hmm. And so, uh, I mean, if you never heard anyone say, I love you to you, which I never did growing up, in my German Lutheran family, speaking those kind of words was not really a part of the, uh, what was accepted as a, being a good parent. And so I never heard anybody ever in my life say, I love you. Mm. And I had to change that as an adult. I finally uh, started telling, I, I thought, well, I could wait for my parents to wake up and finally tell me that. But I think I want to just take the bull by the horn. So what I did was I was on the phone one night with my both parents. I was in graduate school. They were in Pennsylvania. I was in Minnesota. And I said to the, my dad and my mother when I finished the phone call, I said, well, I just want you both to know I love you. And there was dead silence. Mm. And after a while, I heard this muffled, well, we love you too. <laughs> and so I kept doing that. And I kept doing it. And after a while, they caught on. And then they started reciprocating and, and telling me that they loved me too. And, and, and then it became a standard part of any conversation when we, when we left each other or when we saw each other. We always yeah, I have a question about that. Isn't there a four-part Honopono prayer there where is. you say, I'm sorry and I love you, and it actually works? Because it sounds kind of like that's what you did with them. Yes. Them yeah. You were retraining them. Uh-huh. And so after retraining them, then they started to say it, even if they didn't believe it at first, and then eventually they believed it. So if you don't know if you have that belief, just try to make a list of all your qualities 
that you that you would use to identify yourself, and then see how many of them are positive and how many are negative. Every time I've asked people to do that, the negative list always outweighs the positive list. And mm-hmm. so we seem to stick on the negative things that we're told about ourselves that we right. believe, and the positive things become sort of in the background. So uh, uh, it, it's one I'll be talking about how to change that belief as, as uh, in my blogs. And can I just say the Honopono prayer says, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. Right, exactly. Hawaiian forgiveness prayer that's very powerful yeah. because it, require, it requires that you acknowledge what was wrong by saying you're sorry. That's right. Yeah, that's a great. Say it again so that our audience hears it. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. In that order. In that order, right. Yeah, and, and it is powerful. To say that to people when you, uh, anytime you feel like you want to uh, convey to them uh, a, a, a positive kind of uh, healing message. Yeah, it's like self-love too, right? Yeah. And you can say it to yourself. Mm-hmm. In fact, I have a, 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 an activity called un, uh, Unconditional uh, Surrender, and it uses these four uh, uh, statements uh, and each of them is not this is not said to yourself or to others it's said to yourself mm-hmm. so then the second of the top ten um, on, on the list of twisted beliefs that get people in trouble is uh, this one it's risky to ask others direct directly to help me meet my needs so it, the belief is I can't ask others to help me meet my needs this is the whole basis for victim consciousness. Mm-hmm. Victims don't feel like they they can ask other people for help. They have to manipulate them into feeling sorry for them. Then they get their needs met. And it takes a tremendous amount of energy to do that. It's much easier to just ask directly. Can I make a comment here? It's interesting you're saying that. I'm in a wonderful relationship with yeah. With a great man. And sometimes, you know, he can say something that sounds either a little sarcastic or whatever it is. And it used to bother me. And now what I do is I say, you know what? Here's another way to say that. And I actually say, you know, because I know he doesn't mean it that way. It's sort of like his little flippy comment. And so I'll I'll say what I want to hear. Yeah. And it it's actually working because it diffuses my getting annoyed. I say what I need. And he, you know, and he understands it. Absolutely. It really has been very helpful, I have to say. Because yeah, I'm stating what I need, but not like, well, you should say it that way. No, I, I don't. Yeah, it's, it's the way you ask. is Exactly. And I, I say when, you, when you're through with your anger and your resentment, you can ask for what you want directly from people, and they will be delighted to give it to yes, you. Great. That's your, that's your uh, benchmark. When you can do that on a consistent basis, you know you've cleared any resentments or anger about not getting your needs met. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, I'll do one more, and then we ought to get up to our guest uh, for today. And uh, the third one is, uh, uh, and this one I find is is about shame. Mm-hmm. A lot of people carry along, around a lot of toxic shame. And mm-hmm. it is, I believe that I am permanently flawed in some way. It's not that I did something wrong. There is something wrong with me. I'm not smart enough. 
I'm not pretty enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I can't do anything about it because I am permanently flawed and I can never achieve that. This is a, this is a, a belief that has it, its basis in shame. If you were shamed any time in your life, uh, then that kind of accumulates into this kind of a belief that you might have. Barry, would that fit into, this may not, but people who, and I'm guilty of this, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Yeah, but yeah. I shoulda. Yeah, yeah, but I woulda. But I and it's over. You can't right. do anything about it. Right, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course it's part of it. But people uh, have these kind of limiting beliefs that, that they can't do certain things, that they, they're just not smart enough or they don't have the right connections. Or, you know, everybody has some kind of an excuse why they can't do something. And that's the what they're crying over milk, right? They're crying over something that's not going to change. Yeah. So this is a belief that gets people in trouble. And again, I'm going to show you how to change that belief. If you find that that is one of your beliefs and gets you in trouble, then uh, pay attention to the, the, the yeah. in fact, uh, I, I think we ought to put the, um, uh, I the, think we have time for another one, Barry. One, I just want to do one more thing, though, that no. I, for, I forgot to do. And, and that is to put the uh, URL for our Facebook page, because that's where all of these blogs are going to be posted. So, if Ben, if you could put that up there, and then people will know where they can go to read the blogs about how to identify and change your beliefs. Uh, and and that will help uh, our audience have a place to go. It's actually on the uh, the YouTube at the bottom of the YouTube page, you can tell there it is. Uh, that's where you can uh, go to uh, find the blogs each week, and it's also listed on the YouTube page at the bottom. Where it says uh, link to the uh, uh, Finding Hope page, uh, Facebook page. So that's where they'll be each week, and you can actually download them and 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 take them and read them. At your leisure. So uh, I'm. I'm. I think uh, we probably have done enough of these. We've done three. One more. One more. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is a big one, and one I've studied for maybe thirty years. Is uh, the belief is that it's probably best to avoid conflicts at all costs. Mm. You know, people who are conflict avoidant gets you in trouble every time. Because those conflicts just keep coming back and again, again. And what I what I tell people is that whatever you don't finish, you're just going to have to repeat over and over again. So if you you have a you leave a conflict unresolved, it's going to show up again in a different form, maybe with different people, but it'd be the same conflict. And people sometimes go, "Oh my God, there it is again." <laughs> and so it, it it's really important to learn how to effectively resolve your conflict. Yeah. And I think, too, I teach a lot of webinars on this, conflict resolution and, you know, listening effectively. I think people think that conflict is a bad thing. It's, but actually, isn't conflict how we create our new ideas, Barry? I absolutely. mean, without conflict, otherwise we'd just be status quo and everything would stay the same. And isn't there a saying, there's no growth in the comfort zone and there's no comfort in the growth zone? That's exactly right. And, I mean, the whole idea of the surf hitting the the, the the land and creating sand it's the conflict between the land and the water that creates the sand and so it's really necessary for all growth to have ability to resolve our conflicts but very few people I've, i i often will ask my audience how many people have witnessed a major conflict 
being resolved from a win-win place. And I get very few hands. It's still a unique experience in people's lives. I've written books about this. My latest one is about uh, conflict resolution for skills for couples called Intimate, Com- in- Intimate Combat. And I think I talked about that a couple times in the previous uh, podcast, but it's right. really uh, uh, the result of like 30 years of study on how to help people. And it's really almost like a workbook because it has... Uh, all relationships are going to have conflict, right? Because you won't have any growth unless you do have conflict. Right. I mean, I've known relationships where they said, we never fight. <laughs> you never have any growth either, usually. So mm-hmm. it's, it's an essential part of, of growing. I call, those, I call those the vanilla relationships, Barry. Yeah, that's a good word for it, yeah. Well, let's get to our guest today. I'm excited uh, uh, to uh, introduce our audience to Arnold Nuremberg, and he's a psychologist in Whittier, California, and I met Arnold because he wrote an article in a publication that I get, a psychological publication, and I was so impressed with what he wrote in the article, and at the bottom there was an email address, so I emailed him and I said, I'd like to talk to you more about uh, what you're doing because that's really exciting, and uh, so he emailed back, and we ended up then talking on the phone many times, and every time we talk on the phone, we find out how many more things we have in common, to where I finally said to Arnold, you know, you're an Anamkara. You know what that is, Patricia? No. It's the Gaelic word for soul friend. And I consider Arnold a soul friend, and he considers me the same, because we've gotten so close, and this is the first time that we've been able to see each other. Uh, uh, we've been just talking on the phone most of the time. So I'd like to invite uh, Arnold to come in and join us. And uh, uh, and he's going to tell us uh, his incredible life story in, in, a, in about an hour. <laughs> right. <laughs> we have about three minutes, which is wonderful to introduce Arnold so that yeah. people will so get to take a little bit about what you're going to be telling people as a kind of a a lead into the interview, which will be actually starting on the next episode next week. Welcome. Welcome. First, let me say what a pleasure it is to be here with you and Patricia. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. It was very stimulating to me. I took notes, some things I could address on. I mean, those twists and beliefs were extremely interesting, relevant, and uh, I took notes on it because I think that it could, it could be that just even addressing that could stimulate tremendous growth. Uh, you know, I, I know that, but let me preempt what I'm going to say that because I know one of the talks is finding hope and ending all suffering. I'm 80 years old. I've been a psychologist licensed in California for four seven years. We're, we're missing period. part of your dialogue. Uh, I right? suffer, and I never ended the suffering. Yeah, uh, I, 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 so I continue to suffer to this day. However, what I found, and I developed a system, is I when I suffer, I do it honorably. So when I'm happy, it's I, I handle everything honorably and develop the system of honor to actually change my past in the sense of reconceptualizing it through the eye to the lens of honor and dealing with what I go through now. I would say 80 to 90 percent of the time I'm in fundamental well-being. So you can end a lot of the suffering. When I was younger. Probably I was suffering 90% of the time. So by 80, uh, I got it down to about 10 to 20. Depends. Uh, it's hard for me to get the exact gauge. 
sometimes I used to say 5%, and I said 10% I'm suffering, and I'm going, maybe it's 20, I just don't know how much of my ego is in, in the statement. So I would say it's 100% possible while you're trying to reduce your suffering to do it honorably. And my journey, my life, has been uh, a journey to the realms of honor and all the teachings of honor, and I've been lectured, gave over 800 lectures on this, and I really didn't understand what honor was. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I just hope I didn't do too much damage as a psychologist when I was younger. I think I helped people. I think I was effective. But it's nowhere even close to 70 to 80. At 80, I've mastered a lot of the way of honor, and I help others with that. That's my main mission in life. Uh, we, we talked about ahead of time the areas of suffering I've had in my life, what it led to, uh, and I'm happy to go into that with you. Uh, and we will. We're going to talk about that next but I think what's so important is that you've been able to make these changes. You're helping other people, and you're also a role model for positive aging because I think sometimes we have that stereotype where you reach a certain age and you can't change. You can't teach an old dog new tricks, and that's just not true because of the way our brain is wired. We can always change you're so right on. You're, you're so astute and articulate. That's perfect. I mean, that's perfect. You said it. Mean, it's. Um, I think once you're honest with yourself and you really see what's going on within yourself, you see all kinds of, all right, so, kinds of stuff going on. So I mean, we will be having you on next week, Arnold. Barry, would you like to close out a little bit? Yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll be back next week with Arnold to hear more about his story about how he developed some twisted beliefs, I'll call them, early on, and what that effect had on his life and then how he changed those. So he'll be giving us a model of how he finally understood the beliefs for driving his behavior, and then uh, he set about changing that behavior. All right. And, 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 and now is is a leading expert in a movement called the Way of Honor. Absolutely. Excited to have uh, Dr. Arnold Nuremberg on. And we're going to say bye for this segment, but join us next week. We have three more episodes with Dr. Arnold Nuremberg. And of course, Dr. Barry Weinhold on Changing Your Beliefs. I'm Patricia Raskin. See you next week. And bye, Arnold. This episode was brought to you by the Colorado Institute for Conflict Resolution and Creative Leadership. Find out more about these resources at weinholds.org. Dr. Weinhold is the author or co-author of 75 books on psychology, including his latest book, Get Real, The Hazards of Living Out of Your False Self, available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and more. Patricia Raskin is the host of the nationally recognized program, The Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show, and is currently heard on voiceamerica.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. New episodes of Finding Hope, The End to Suffering can be found every Wednesday. If you like the show, please leave a review and give us a rating. 